Welcome to PD Explorers, a Portland State research podcast featuring scholarship, innovations, and discoveries pushing the boundaries of knowledge, practice, and what is possible for the benefit of our communities and the world. My name is Jola Ajibade. I'm an associate professor in the Department of Geography at Portland State University. My work actually uh, lies at the intersection of climate change, urban resilience, and climate adaptation. Uh, What do I mean by this? What I mean is that I use environmental justice and political ecology lens to study the uneven impact of climate change on different communities, but also the uneven impact of climate solutions. Essentially, my work looks at how are different, what are the different climate solutions that are available, but also what are the environmental justice issues with those projects? Who benefits and who loses? How do we ensure that climate adaptation and resilience projects are addressing indeed climate impacts and reducing social vulnerability and not causing more harm? How can climate adaptation and resilience projects contribute to climate justice? And in trying to understand those things, I push for ideas that allow us to think about just urban adaptations and just transformations, which means essentially disrupting the current status quo that we have in society and thinking about alternatives, planning processes, uh, norms, alliances, and relations of production that can actually lead to a more just, livable, and sustainable urban futures. So I have a number of projects One of the core projects is called Portland Equitable Resilience to Climate Cascading Hazard, called PETCH. And our goal is to identify levers of transformation in how we can actually ensure equitable resilience in the Portland metro area, not just in Portland City. One of the key goals of the project, or should I say the key question we're trying to understand is, how do climate hazard interact with social vulnerability and baseline resilience factors to create compounding impacts for different groups? Communal resilience, there are different ways people have framed, number one, the word resilience. So what does community mean? Community means it could be a group of people living in, in a particular location. Community could mean, you know, the state the state you're living in. It could mean the city you're living in. It could mean, uh, you know, it could also mean different groups with a particular identity. And so when I'm looking at the word community, I'm looking at multiple types of communities from the individual, from the household, and also different cities. I work mostly at the urban level. So my um, framing of community often involves urban population in different uh, areas. But then when we're talking about resilience, uh, usually resilience has to do with the ability of people or the capacity that they have to be able to withstand uh, uh, whether it's an external hazard or an external stressor, and being able to, typically the word is bounce back, But again, we know that when we're thinking about bounce back, it's not to bounce back to a status quo where uh, it's something that already made you vulnerable in the first place. So you're not, the framework of community of of resilience now is not about bouncing back, it's actually bouncing forward, creating opportunities that makes it better for people to cope with um, multiple hazards, individual hazards, but also being able to deal with 
uh, existing socioeconomic crisis, not just a climate crisis, right? We have the climate as, as an issue, but we also have existing social vulnerabilities and existing poverty and existing inequality, whether it's racial inequality or gender inequality, that makes it very difficult for people to respond to different hazards. And so when I'm thinking about community resilience, I'm thinking about multiple communities, but I'm also thinking about their capacity of these communities to be able to bounce forward, uh, particularly when they go through multiple crises, some of which may include climate-induced crises, but others may be not only climate-induced, but socially-induced uh, crises as well. That's one key. The second issue is the climate drivers, right? So you have the hazard, it could be a wildfire, it could be uh, heat wave, it could be flooding, or it could be high storms. Uh, so that's, those are the hazards we see, but what are the big drivers on the climatic side that is shaping these extreme events? And what are the thresholds between the temporal, I'm talking about the temporal threshold and also the spatial threshold that actually allows these different hazards to happen, whether simultaneously or in close proximity to one another. The key hazards we're looking at and trying to understand their drivers include heat wave, wildfire, air pollution, ice storm, and flooding. And then the third component is, what are the institutional barriers and opportunities for advancing equitable and innovative strategies to mitigating this cascading climate-related hazard? So we're looking at existing policies in the metro region, um, looking at policies in Multnomah County, policies in Washington County, in Clackamas County, in Yam Hill, trying to understand, are there policies that are already thinking or already ahead in identifying compounding hazard or cascading hazard or conservative hazard? Are there ways in which our policymakers are already thinking about that? Or if they are not, Part of our work is to identify the gaps in existing policy and then to prefer recommendation in terms of number one, we need to start thinking of the multiple hazard and you know how they are occurring and the different uh, ecological and environmental as well as urbanization factors and certainly social factors that come together to make this hazard more severe on particular groups. But also another key part of our policy analysis that we're doing on this project is to understand how has equity been framed in the past few, I would say almost 20 years, as the framing of equity in response to as a change, as it evolved, and is it really taking into consideration the kinds of vulnerabilities that we have now and the different groups, uh, whether it's Black, uh, Latinos, Asian, or even white populations? What are the different groups that have been affected by different cascading hazards? And where are these people located? What types of hazards are they being mostly affected by? What resources are available to them? And what kind of policies do we need to make to be able to catch up with these climate uh, impacts that we're seeing? So those are the very broad goals of the project. Our work actually is one of the first few research that is looking at a grounded approach to studying cascading hazards. When we're talking about cascading hazard, we're talking about hazard that has physical connections. And so we came up with this theory in part because there has been a lot of research done, as you know, in the hazard resilience space to study or to come up with all kinds of indicators uh, to study social vulnerability. People like Susan Cotter has done a lot of work in that area. She created a social vulnerability framework. She also created another framework, which is she has this disaster resilience of place 
to understand what makes a particular place resilient or not resilient, things like that, and the groups of people living there. And there is another framework she had, which is the BRIC framework, Baseline Resilience Indicators for Communities. But all of these different indicators, they're not very dynamic, right? They study resilience or even vulnerability at a point in time, like a snapshot of what's going on. So what we are trying to do with the Crescent framework, number one, is to build upon what Carter certainly has done with the Soviet framework, also with the BRIC framework, trying to understand, number one, what is the baseline resilience, whether it's social resilience, uh, which, which has a lot to do with community capital, resources that people have, institutions, or also um, whether we're thinking about institutional resilience or we're thinking about economic resilience. So we're using some of the framework that she's developed, but we're trying to make them a bit more dynamic, trying to look at them and also bring them into conversations with different drivers of the you know climatic drivers that are shaping the impact of climate change but also the drivers of different impacts what are the drivers that is allowing some groups to be more vulnerable less vulnerable uh in terms of where they live in terms of the things they are able to do or not able to do but i think another key component that i find exciting is also the drivers of opportunities or not just at the individual level but also at the group level what are some of the things that are shaping the resources that people have that are shaping the opportunities that becomes available both in terms of historical um, shift in opportunities but also contemporary avenues for building solidarity and building grassroots uh, responses to natural disasters that we've seen. And so for us, the whole idea of the network theory is to bring together the climatic driver, the social vulnerability and the resilience framework, but also the policy side of things, as well as the community-based resources that are available to help us understand what is going on in the system, right? So we're looking at a metro area as a system and trying to see what are the things in the system when thinking about the shifting and changing uh, climatic impacts we're, we're experiencing, and particularly when it comes to cascading hazard, what are the things in the system that makes us vulnerable? Uh, and also who in the, in the system is most vulnerable, but also how can we use what we have currently, uh, the innovations that we have in the Portland area, the knowledge, the resources, the you know, all of the really the groundswell of interest around climate change to sort of shift and change the system in ways that it can be more livable, in ways that it can be more resilient, but also in ways that can be more just, uh, even as we respond to the impacts of climate change. So that's really the idea of this network theory. What are the networks of things that we, you know, that is going on, and how do they shift and change and come together? And who are the actors, you know, <laughs> in these different spaces? So that's what we're trying to do. But I, I think it's actually a framework that is promising because of the dynamic way in which we are framing resilience and vulnerability, but also in the dynamic way in which we are looking at um, resources for responding to this uh, multi-level um, or multiple disasters that may be cascading or that are currently coming together to create compounding impacts on different communities. One of the key things is that we can't, we're going to develop a deeper understanding of the drivers that actually shape particular extreme events, but also shape multiple extreme events. And so that gives us a sense of what we need to do in terms of mitigating or finding ways to reduce the potential for those drivers to coincide together. So that's one thing in terms of knowledge and application. The other issue is that 
the, the information we're going to also produce allows us to prepare community for the kinds of responses that will be needed. And so the knowledge we're going to generate is also going to be helpful in preparedness. Hopefully we don't experience that kind of uh, disaster in the few years to come, but at least if it was to happen again, we will be prepared and we will not lose uh, the number of people we lost uh, in, in the 2021. In, in the States, we lost over 100 people, I think about 100. And just in Multnomah County alone, we lost 72 people to the heat wave. And so the kind of work we're doing is also up to give a sense of the kinds of risks that we're likely to experience going into the future and where investments is required to mitigate or at least to moderate the impact of those risks and which communities need those investments like now. So our work also will help inform where do we need those resources? What kind of resources do we need to invest? When do we need to invest them? And what to what extent uh, the benefits they might yield for the communities, but also for the metro region as a whole. So it's been a very rewarding op opportunity to 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 be doing this project and to be learning so much and also to be making hopefully uh, a significant impact in our region here. My name is Jala Jivari. My research focuses on ways to increase equity and justice in climate adaptation and resilience plans, investments and projects. I also study how climate resilience projects are transforming society for better or for worse.